What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the Thursday's Theology Podcast for our third episode ever. Uh, I'm super excited because for this episode, we're going to be continuing a conversation that we started uh, in one of our vlog episodes, and uh, I'll link to that in the in the description below. But the the series we're currently in, and the conversation we're going to expand upon, is uh, a series called "Should They." And we've been exploring different areas where we ask the question, "Should Christians do this?" And for this episode, we're going to expand upon a conversation about should Christians swear. Um, in the vlog episode, um, we talked about American culture. We talked about uh, doing harm to people and calling out evil and stuff like that. Um, but for this episode, we're also going to expand into some of the biblical uh, examples, uh, swearing versus cursing, et cetera, et cetera. But all that to say, um, I also want to reintroduce our guest uh, for this, this podcast episode, and that is the man, the myth, the legend himself, our producer, uh, Tom. And uh, Tom, I it only took us towards the end of season one to get you on to that episode. So. <laughs> yeah, we've been working on this show for almost a year now. I mm-hmm. mean, maybe a little bit more if you count all the times that we spent planning. But we've been making episodes for months now. And Yeah, yeah. If I remember correctly, I think the Should Christian Swear is episode number three. 30, 31? Uh, yeah, I think it's episode 30. Wow, yeah. So, yeah, it, it's uh, it's been awesome. <laughs> um, in fact, uh, let me tell you all a little story. Um, where we are recording this particular podcast episode is uh, in the youth room of the church I grew up at. Um, Tom currently lives here. Uh, he, there's some apartments on, on campus, and he he uh, helps with lockup and, and stuff like that. But... Um, we are currently sitting in the youth room that I grew up at. It's a, it's a place called the greenhouse and it's very, very near and dear to my heart. Um, and I'm just so psyched to be able to come back and do something that I'm passionate about, uh, in the place that started it all for me. So, um, so that's one part of the story. The second part of the story is, is that, uh, Tom and I decided to start Thursday's theology. It actually came up. Um, well, let me back up. So let me give you the context. So, (laughs) um, I, I love coming up with ideas. Um, I love, uh, it excites me to come up with a new idea and to think about how awesome it might be. So I approached Tom uh, about a year and a half, two years ago, and I was just like, Tom, I have this crazy idea (laughs) and I want you to hear about it. So he's like, okay, cool. So we went out to coffee to a place called Timeless Coffee. And uh, by the way, their coffee, phenomenal. So if you're ever in Oakland on Piedmont Avenue, check out Timeless Coffee. They are not a sponsor, but I hope they will be. <laughs> um, but um, so we met at Timeless Coffee, and I, I basically told him, like, I have this crazy idea. And I, you should know that I, I'm good at coming up with ideas. I'm terrible, terrible at executing them. So just, you know, you need to know that from the get-go. So then I, I told him, like, I, I think I'm, I want to start a vlog. And this vlog would be me playing video games and talking about theology. And... Tom, being the, the awesome person he was, um, thought it was a, a good idea, but it could be better. And that's what, exactly why I, I asked him to be my producer, because he's able to take some of the crazy ideas that I have and make them better. The fact that we are sitting here recording a podcast episode <laughs> is testament to the fact that you are much better at, at executing ideas than I am. <laughs> so I wanted all that to say thank you for, for actually helping this dream come to fruition. So, yeah, absolutely. So, 
Um, so anyway, we were talking uh, earlier about uh, should Christians swear. And um, for those who um, aren't watching the vlog, let's, let's just do a quick recap of some of the points we made, right? Um, so what was your point about uh, American culture? Uh, my point about American culture was that in our, our culture, uh, swearing is very much a part of the uh, language. It's basically used as filler words. Mm. Sometimes it's used uh, to show how passionate someone is about something. Uh, and in some cases, it is used uh, to uh, show that you would like to cause harm to someone mm. and show how upset and angry you are with someone else. Yeah. Uh, and that last instance in particular is not at least good use for, for us Christians, um, but showing in, in the correct time and place, uh, swearing is good to show uh, how passionate you are about God and about furthering the church um, and when it's not used against someone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think uh, I remember one of the things that I, I said in response to that is, is that I would venture to say that the majority of times somebody swears is to do somebody else harm or to uh, exclaim something, but maybe not in the most healthy way. Because um, believe me, I've, I've heard uh, one too many people stub their toe and, and say some choice words that, you know, would make their mother blush. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think it's an unfortunate reality that we live in that, that swearing is so ingrained into our culture because I think, I mean, I don't know about you growing up, so you, you can, you can jump in, um, if this rings true, but I know for me growing up, swearing was, was, I mean, once I got to middle school, it was kind of a common use of the word, but I remember the F word especially being like, almost like a, like, <gasps> somebody said that word, you know? So it was like, it was a huge shock when somebody used it, but, and I don't know if that's, what was that like what it was for you? Um, yeah, I mean, I think in elementary school, both in school and at home, I didn't hear a lot of swearing. I did go to public school, but it wasn't as uh, expletive as, as some other schools. It was mm. very, fairly sheltered, uh, and when I got to middle school, it was kind of like that, where it was, people were from all different places around Oakland. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so they, they had a different experience with it. And so there was a lot of people who were swearing. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it was a very interesting hit, uh, almost like a culture shock. Um, yeah. 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 And I think it's, it's interesting too, because like we, we all know uh, of the phrase like, oh, they're from a broken home, you know? Eh. Where do I start with this? Um, I think that we all come from broken homes, whether or not we like to admit it or not. Um, but I think that people who have had a more difficult upbringing um, have found swearing to be an easy way to express themselves. Would you, is that a fair uh, statement? Yeah, that, that's a fair statement. I also think that it's, that swearing is, I mean, even regardless of, of your upbringing, like swearing is an easy way to express yourself. Like once you, once you start swearing, it's kind of just like, Oh, this is like mm. a natural thing now. And then mm. when you get used to it, uh, and that's kind of how it gets perpetuated is just, it's natural. It's common. Um, as long as it's not in a professional or religious, uh, sense, uh, people will, will just keep, keep using it and keep, yeah. 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 
And I think it's especially, um, it's so funny because like, as you were talking, it made me think of, um, I'm a huge football fan. I, I love playing fantasy football and stuff like that. And one of my favorite things that they do in NFL games is they have a, uh, it's like a commercial break or whatever, where they, they show, uh, one of the players that has a microphone on and they just want to like, what's going on in the huddle? Like, what are they saying to each other? And more often than not, they have to like censor what's going on just because all the players are just like swearing at each other. Yeah. Um, except I do have to say this, um, Andrew Luck, the, the quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts, um, so funny hearing him mic'd up because like he's like doesn't swear at all and like he actually compliments the um offense uh defensive offensive lineman uh when they tackle him so like there's several uh there's a montage of clips where he he gets tackled and like just really brutal hit and he's just like oh nice hit buddy <laughs> <laughs> so wholesome yeah so wholesome and then um, the the funniest one was uh there was this line lineman that hit him and he's like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to hit you that hard. He's like, oh, that's all right, buddy. It's football. <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, I, I just it's it's funny to me to, to think about that because um, I think it bolsters your point that swearing has become almost a commonly accepted part of our vernacular, you know, um, for better and for worse, you know. Um, so, yeah, I think um, something you said, too, earlier about um, doing harm to people. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think that's pretty much self-explanatory where it can be used to um, tear somebody down. I mean, uh, part of it too is is think about the kind of the discussion going on about the, the use of, of the N-word, um, whether like who can use it, when is it appropriate, that sort of thing. I think as, as a historian, um, and I, I feel like I can say this because I have studied history at two different institutions and, and, you know, so I, I feel like I have some sort of credibility. Um, but as an American historian, I think, um, the N word has no place in the mouth of white people. Like there is, there is no, there's absolutely no circumstance that you can tell me about where that word is warranted. And the reason being is because it, it brings up with it all the historical baggage that comes along. So for a white person to ever say it is wrong. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. it's, it's wrong. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think uh, understanding the historical context of specific swear words is important just so that you know uh, all the weight that that word carries with it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that does segue well into... Uh, we brought up in the vlog talking about the difference between swearing and cursing mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. because biblically they're very different things. And even, uh, I would venture to say, even in the last couple hundred years, they were very different instances, but we've kind of merged them into one idea of curse words and swear words are basically the same thing. Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. And I'll let you uh, expand on this, but swear words are are more of a, a pact or an oath that you make uh, along some lines. And curse words are more of uh, saying that you are trying to damn something to hell. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think that's a fantastic point because I've growing up I heard swear words and curse words, or I, I heard cursing and swearing used interchangeably. So there wasn't much difference. Um, but you're absolutely right. I think um, historically speaking... 
Um, if if I am cursing at you, that means I'm I'm calling down like hexes and <laughs> upon <laughs> you. Like like uh, what what comes to mind is um, oh, I forget what it's from, and I hope somebody who's listening to this can can comment where it comes from. But the whole uh, a hex upon or a pox upon your house. <laughs> it, it comes from a movie, I think. But it's like it's just to highlight, like, oh, a pox upon your house. Like, yeah. So it's just it's a stupid example, but yeah. like I, I think it's it's um, representative of what the idea behind cursing is, because um, cursing is more calling down um, a curse or calling down a divine judgment or calling down a punishment upon somebody, um, and you see this in the Psalms. Um, and there's a fancy theological word that is escaping me now, but basically it's a word to describe the Psalms that are used for calling down curses upon people. Um, there's a couple of King David's specifically in the Psalms where he talks about, uh, Lord, may you make them like the dust of the earth or may you uh, destroy them and their family so that they may not flourish. Um, so there's these Psalms where David asks God to obliterate his enemies. <laughs> and it can be like, so basically, David is cursing his his enemies, right? Yeah. Um, but I, I do think it's also worth noting that in those psalms, uh, David also gives up his own need for judgment and punishment, and gives it to God. So yeah. he calls this curse. He asks God to call this curse upon his enemies, but he doesn't go as far to say like I'm going to wait here until you do. You know, it's like no, no, right. you you are God. You will do what you want to do. Yeah, it's it's more like saying this is what I think you should do. But I have other things to attend to. So if you end up punishing them for that, you have my blessing, but you don't have to. You are the one who is control of who gets what punishment. Right. And that's, I mean, to, to um, uh, give another example on the other side of the spectrum, you have Jonah. Um, who Jonah is, um, speaking of swearing, I, I think I'm going to drop a swear word if that's okay with you. <laughs> I mean, we may we may have to censor, but that's all right. <laughs> okay, that's true. So, uh, um, Jonah is kind of a jackass, and I th- the reason being is because he he goes um, unwillingly to Nineveh, to the heart of the Assyrian Empire, to to preach against them, and um, he says, I think in Hebrew it's three or four words, and that's it. Like God has called him to preach repentance to the Ninevites, and he says three or four words in Hebrew and that's it. And then all of a sudden the whole city repents and stuff like that. But at the very end of Jonah, he goes up to a cliffside and he, that looks down over Nineveh and he's waiting for, um, the, for Nineveh to be destroyed. So as he's waiting for Nineveh to be destroyed, he, the, the whole reason why he's waiting for Nineveh to be destroyed is because he views them as evil. He views them as unworthy of God's, um, mercy and grace. And, He's, he's waiting for Nineveh to just be incinerated. He's, in fact, I think the scripture uh, describes it as he's waiting for fire to fall down from heaven to, to like incinerate Nineveh. And um, he, he's upset with God that it doesn't happen. He's upset that God doesn't uh, rain down fire on Nineveh. And he said that, I mean, he says this earlier on in, in Jonah, but he says basically... It's better for me to die than to live in a world where my enemies are are loved by you. That's uh, it's kind of a watering down of what he's saying, but that's exactly what he's saying. So all that to say that the whole cursing thing is, 
you have King David on one end saying, like, I, I want you to curse my enemies, but you're God, and you're going to do what you're going to do. Um, and then you have Jonah, who's just like, okay, I'm waiting. Where's where's the fire? <laughs> you know? Um, so cursing in, in terms of biblical context is definitely uh, calling down punishment or calling down some sort of event on your enemies um, to, to punish them or to incinerate them or what have you. Um yeah, so then swearing, on the other hand, uh, biblically speaking, swearing is is more, you know, I swear to you by my mother's grave, or I swear to you by heaven and earth that I will do this thing. And what's interesting is, is that when you get into some of the Levitical law and some of the Deuteromaic, that's ah, the first time I've ever said that correctly <laughs> on the first try. <laughs> first try? All right, cool. Uh, Deuteromaic law. So Deuteromaic and, and Levitical law, when you get into that... Um, it's very clear that God does not want you to swear oaths other, like, that you can't enforce. Like, if you swear by heaven or by earth or by creation, you have no power over that. You have no say on whether or not that oath will come true by heaven or by, by earth or by creation. So what, what the Deuteromaic and Levitical law talk about is don't do that because you don't have control over that. Like, let your yeses be yes and your noes be noes. Like, let it be that simple. Don't say, like... Um, we, we're talking about swearing, uh, adding emphasis to something, and that's exactly what it was used for in in the biblical times, where it was like, if you Tom, you and I are in biblical times, and I say, Tom, I am going to give you a quarter of my land, and I could say that, but that's like I could double cross you, I could, yeah. you know, I could. That, those words don't have a lot of weight to them. Yeah, they don't have a lot of meaning. Yeah, but if I were to say to you, Tom. I swear to you by heaven, I will give you a quarter of my land. Then all of a sudden that has a little bit more meaning, right? Yeah. Um, so that's exactly what uh, swearing was used for in the Old Testament. It was to add emphasis to something because, honestly, people didn't trust one another. And I think that not a lot has changed <laughs> since then. <laughs> yeah. But um, the point being is that when you swear, it adds emphasis. It adds, like, oh, okay, somebody's, this, this is serious, you know? Um, I would say, I'd venture to say swearing an oath in the, in biblical contexts is almost like signing a contract in, in our modern day. It's, it's, it was binding yeah. um, or it should be binding at least. Um, so yeah, does that, does that make sense? Yeah, no, I think, I think that's a, a very good way of wording it. Um, cool. Um, yeah. Cause I think that, well, let me, let me ask you, cause you, you made the point of that swearing and cursing is is more or less the same thing for us. Uh, why do you think that is? Because, like, biblically, we've talked about how there's a difference, right? Yeah. Um, so what what is it about how we use words that makes swearing and cursing kind of synonymous? Yeah. Um, I will say I'm not a linguist, so I, I wish I could say how, how it developed over the last 100 or 200 years. Um, but I think I think they do have a lot of, like, if you look at them in idea, they are very similar. Mm. Like if you uh, if you're swearing an oath, that is is like taking the language that you have and giving more weight to it. Mm -hmm. If you're if you're trying to curse someone down, that's uh, it, it's like you're trying to uh, hold a power that you don't that words don't normally have. Mm. Like mm. if. If I had superpowers, mm -hmm. like that is the equivalent of, of uh, if you could harness 
a curse with just words. Mm. It is almost like a superpower. Mm. Um, And so those have a lot more weight to them, which is this idea we keep going back to. And so cursing and swearing is a lot of like taking your words and not just giving them more weight, but also giving them an action. Mm. Like Mm -hmm. damning someone is a very harsh thing and a very like strong action that you're taking against someone and, and swearing an oath is, is very similar. And so when you kind of look at those two in idea, they're very similar. Mm, So mm. I guess as, as time goes on, people start to use them and they start to interchange them every once in a while. And those develop and perpetuate more and more. Interesting. Uh, And eventually you have two concepts that are very different, but being used interchangeably. Mm. You know, something that, that lit up for me as you were talking is, um, the idea of cursing and, and swearing. I think a modern day example would be something like the Westboro Baptist church. And, uh, if, if you are unfamiliar with who Westboro is, um, I'm just going to go on record and say that they're actually not a church. Um, they claim to be a church. They claim to be followers of Christ, but the rhetoric that they use, especially against, um, the LGBTQ community, um, is absolutely antithetical to the gospel. And I think I'm going to dedicate a podcast in the future to talking about Westboro because I'm very, very passionate about it. I've done a lot of research on it. Um, and yeah, so that deserves its own little episode on itself. But, um, I think the reason why it, it popped up in my mind is because this idea of cursing somebody, the whole, um, driving force behind a church like Westboro, and I use church very loosely in describing them, um, the whole driving force behind the Westboro Baptist Church is this idea of condemnation, of condemning others to hell, right? So it doesn't matter if you're part of the LGBTQ community, it's even expanded out to like, if you're Jewish, or if you're Muslim, or if you are um, a Christian who supports gay rights, then you're going to hell. Um, There's just no, there's no hope for you, right? So what happens is um, this idea of condemning them, they are, they're trying to take a power that's not theirs. That like, same thing with cursing. Like uh, they're, they're trying to harness God's role as, as judge for themselves. They're trying to say like, you're worthy of the gospel. You're worthy of the gospel. You're worthy of hell, you know? Um, so I think that swearing and cursing, uh, to, to go back to your point, gives us a sense of, having more control over our words than we think. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, cause yeah, I think that it's, um, it's one thing to, to swear at somebody like kind of under your breath and stuff like that. But when you swear at them audibly or curse them audibly, <clears throat> I think, um, there's something about exerting control, I guess. Yeah. Um, you know what it is? Okay. Uh, here's the connection. All right. So check it out. Um, throughout the Bible, you have uh, instances where God renames somebody. Uh, you have Saul going to Paul. You have uh, Abram going to Abraham, etc. Um, and a lot of theologians agree that when God does that, it's an exercise of dominion over that person or control over that person. And not in a like, I am now your domineering king. It's, it's more like they surrender to God and God is now in control of their life, right? right. Um, so when somebody is renamed in the Bible, it's a way of God showing like, okay, you have accepted me. I am now in control over your life. 
Um, so I think this is where the connection lies in, in cursing and swearing is, is that when we curse somebody, we are typically calling them a name that is not their name. Does that make sense? Yeah. So like we're, we're belittling them. Uh, the, yeah. the N word, going back to the use of the N word, we're belittling them to just that. Yeah. You know? So by trying to curse names at them and call them things, we're trying to exert control and influence over them by saying like, I can have control over you because I have called you this. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's really important. I think that is a deep rooted problem in our culture, but also in a lot of biblical stories, you see, uh, people who are trying to harness God's power without his permission or Mm. trying to be like him in, uh, people who are trying to be like God by doing stuff that people really shouldn't be doing. Mm -hmm. Um, like the tower of Babel was built so that people could get closer to God. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons that humanity has so many problems is because we're trying to be more powerful mm-hmm. than we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, another example of that is, I, I actually just wrote this in, in one of my final papers. Um, Exodus 32 is the, the golden calf um, where Moses is up on, the, up on the mountaintop with God, receiving the instructions for how God is going to dwell among his people. Yeah, And then you have the Israelites just like, you know, Moses is probably dead. We, uh, hey, Aaron, <laughs> make, make us an image of God, right? So Aaron fashions this golden calf. Yeah. And this is so a funny little side story. Uh, Aaron is very much like a, a teenage boy. Um, and the reason being, it's because, uh, and I can speak because I was once a teenage boy and I did this all the time. Um, when I was caught in a lie, I would just try to like, make something up. <laughs> just try and keep it going. Yeah, just try and keep going. You know, like I... I like, I don't know how it happened, you know, like I just making up some outrageous story and in my mind, it made logical sense. So when, when Aaron <laughs> makes the golden calf, um, the, the Hebrew word for, for molten in, in that, um, passage insinuates that Aaron shaped it by his own hand. It wasn't a divine thing. He, he shaped it and molded it right. with his own hands. Right. So, um, he instructs the Israelites to give him his their gold jewelry. He melts it down and he fashions this golden calf. So when Moses comes back down, um, uh, and says, basically, WTF, Aaron, what, what's going on here? <laughs> um, he, he basically, Aaron says, like, oh, I, I don't know, the Israelites asked me to do this, and, like, I, I took their gold jewelry, and I threw it in the melting pot, and, the, and this calf came out. Like, I, I don't know what happened. <laughs> so, like, he's basically saying, like, oh, yeah, the, the calf just emerged. Like, I don't know what happened. Uh, uh. <laughs> and just like, are you serious, Aaron? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Um, but anyway, all that to say, uh, the golden calf is another example of trying to, um, force God's presence among the Israelites. Cause I think a lot of people read that passage and like, oh, Israel was trying to replace God. I know this because I, uh, studied the Hebrew of the passage, which sounds really nerdy, but I did. Um, but the, the phrase for gods and the phrase for molten, um, theologians agree mostly that uh, they were trying to create a throne or a footstool for God to dwell among them. Because again, Moses was up on the mountaintop receiving the instructions for how God was going to dwell. And the Israelites got impatient and created, kind of forced it for themselves. Yeah. So they were trying to harness God's power and presence for themselves, you know? So, um, so yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of what's going on in Exodus 32, and I think that that's an important, um, and I think something to understand about 
Exodus 32 as well, is, is that it comes in between, and, and I mentioned this a little bit, that Moses is receiving the instructions for the tabernacle of how God is going to dwell among his people. And then you have Exodus 32 happens, um, and that's kind of like the rebellion and the forcing of it. And then from Exodus 33 until the end of the book, you have the construction of the tabernacle. Um, so Exodus 32 comes in this in this little pocket between the two of the instructions of the tabernacle, tabernacle and the construction of the tabernacle um, that I think shows the Israelites trying to force God's presence among them, trying to force, uh, dictate to God how God is going to dwell among them, right? So I think that that's another reason why Exodus 32 is so... Um, interesting to study is because it shows that the Israelites were not trying to replace God, but, um, but they were trying to dictate to God how God was going to dwell among them. Um, so, so anyway, yeah, that's kind of where I wanted to end that because that's, you know, I could go on for a yeah. very long time about that, but yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, yeah, I think it's, <laughs> it's important just to realize what we, what we've learned from that story and from, from countless topics that we've we've touched on is that the point of swearing and cursing when used incorrectly is to try and wield power that you don't have mm. and that's an incorrect use of swearing and cursing yeah. and it's not we shouldn't be damning people to hell when we don't have that power yeah um whether or not it's, it's righteous, whether or not that's actually what God intends on doing, that's not our place. Yes, absolutely. Um, absolutely. That's, that's important to remember if and when you choose to swear when you do, when you're careful about where it comes from. That's, at least in my opinion, and I can venture to say that you probably agree with me, that's the wrong use of it. Absolutely, yeah. Because what the reality of it is, is that Scripture does talk about God's judgment coming at the end of time. And, I mean, it would you would be hard-pressed to find a theologian that says, like, oh, well, it actually doesn't mean, you know, judgment or whatever. But what I think where we get it wrong as, as Christians and as, as readers of the Bible, where we get it wrong is we think that we have any sort of say in that judgment, you know? Yeah. Because like, it's, it's just like, oh, well, you know, if the Bible says God judges... Maybe I can, <laughs> you know. um, but I think you're exactly right where if swearing and cursing is used as a means to um, condemn others to hell, that is not our place at all. You know, it, it, as much as it talks about God's judgment, it also talks about God's grace and love being extended to all peoples. So we can't really with any sort of, and this is why Westboro, I don't consider Westboro Baptist a, a true church because they're taking the power of condemnation in their own hands. And that's very, very clear scripturally that that's God's will and power to hold uh, solely. It's not shared. It's not given to us. It's not delegated to us. We have no say in it at all. Right. Um, which I think is, <laughs> to be honest, it's very freeing to, to not have that burden. And again, that could go into a whole lot of different avenues. But... You're absolutely right where if we are trying to take the power of God through our words by swearing and cursing, then it is complete perversion and misunderstanding of, of those words. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so one, one more thing that I want to touch on is uh, going back to the, the first point that I made, at least in the vlog, we, we briefly discussed it 
is uh, this idea that American culture uh, has kind of shaped swearing and cursing into something very different than uh, what it was originally intended for. Mm -hmm. um, and I do want to say that uh, Jeff and I both come from uh, the San Francisco, Oakland Bay Area, which is very much... Uh, I mean, it is a very tech-savvy place, but it's also very uh, laid-back place in a lot of senses. And one of those is the way that people do use swearing and cursing. Mm -hmm. Like, if you if you walk down the streets of Oakland, you will hear countless uh, swear words. Um, mm -hmm. And that's just something that we grew up with. And I think it's important to remember that when talking about this, because there may be other places in, specifically in more rural parts of America or uh, internationally, where uh, cursing is even more taboo than, uh, than where we see it from. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I would venture to say, I don't know much about our neighbors to the north, but I would venture to say that Canada is a little bit like less swear intensive than the United States. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it's also difficult to, to group uh, such a large group of people. Like even in, I've been referring to it as American culture. Mm -hmm. um, it's not... Uh, easy to group Americans as one mm, yeah. umbrella. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's almost more like American cultures. Yeah. You know, um, absolutely. And that's, I think you bring up a good point too about, especially like rural uh, communities and, and international communities. Cause um, I think where you go depends on what words are used, you know? Yeah. Um, for instance, what, what came to mind was, um, <laughs> a Monty Python sketch and uh, apparently if, if you bite your thumb at somebody that's like giving them the middle finger in America that's the, like the equivalent right yeah so um, in Monty Python one of the characters bites his thumb and the, the guy's response is like do you bite your thumb at me sir <laughs> like it's just so proper but it's like it, it's the same thing it's like there's different gestures they're just different words but I think the, the root is all the same where each culture each community has its list of expletives and list of gestures and curses and, and swears. Um, so, I mean, like, I rem it's kind of like a cheesy Christian example, but like, you know, the, the homeschool kid is just like, oh, I saw, I, I said, gee golly in front of my mom and she like got mad. <laughs> you know? It's like, like, and, and the, it makes me think of a, a meme where I, I follow a bunch of Christian memes, which I'm both proud and, you know, not proud of. <laughs> But um, the, the main thing is there was one meme one time that, that said that um, the new homeschool edition of the Bible was released and uh, all the references to hell were heck. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I mean, but it, it's, it's, it's funny, but it, again, it's indicative of, you know, the, the level of words that are used in different communities, you know, like Christian homeschool kids are not going to be dropping f-bombs left and right like like necessarily like public school kids are you know yeah um but the the i think the root is the same is that we do have words and phrases that we use to curse other people to swear at other people to to try and belittle them to deface them and then hopefully if if anything that you the audience has gotten from this podcast words that can be used to you know call out evil and to um yeah just be able to to dismantle some of those structures of of um 
hatred and and stuff like that. So, um, cool. Well, again, thank you, Tom, for for joining us for this uh, podcast. Um, I think starting this podcast in conjunction with the theology uh, channel was absolutely essential because I look back at some of our earlier uh, episodes and they were running, you know, 20, 25 minutes long and I just realized like, yeah, that's probably not the <laughs> the most, uh, that's probably not going to get the most views. <laughs> yeah. Logistically, this makes a lot of sense and hopefully this, this can grow as a, as its own community uh, in, in conjunction with, with the videos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what I hope for too. Cause I think the, I think there's a specific subset of people that love YouTube channels and then a specific subset of people that love podcasts. Yeah. So we're just trying to make it available to both. Yeah, you know? absolutely. So, all right. Well, uh, thank you for joining us for this uh, podcast episode on should Christians swear. Um, we really appreciate it. We really appreciate you giving us the time both on the blog channel and listening to our podcast. Um, um, but that being said, uh, thanks again for joining us for Thursday's Theologies podcast. And, uh, Yeah, remember, theology doesn't always have to be difficult. It is simply the study of who God is. Uh, Take care. We'll see you next time.